Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, celebrating 50 years of sharing God's unconditional love and grace. Welcome to the Gospel Truth broadcast. Welcome to a very special edition of the Gospel Truth. Don't limit God. He wants you to have an abundant life. God isn't angry at us anymore. The war is over. And I know that there's many of you who love God, but I tell you, there's a better way to pray. Everything that Jesus came to do, the power for it is released through the gospel, the good news, the nearly too good to be true news. Welcome to our Tuesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today, I am continuing a series that I just started yesterday talking about who told you that you were naked. You know, I've got a brand new book on this, and there's a reason for this title. The Lord spoke this to me. Well, actually, He spoke this to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to be back to this teaching in just a few minutes. Let me just first of all say for those of you who uh, haven't heard me uh, explain this, we aren't in our normal studio. We are moving from Colorado Springs up to our 493-acre Karis Bible College campus in Woodland Park, Colorado. We've already got a building over here that we're in the process of remodeling and we had to tear down our set. We're rebuilding it in this new building and it's not ready yet. So until it's done, we are now in our second building that we've built at uh, the sanctuary in Woodland Park, Colorado. And this is one of my conference rooms and you're looking east and we've got the sun coming up and we're uh, dealing with it. But you know, praise God for all of my uh, TV people that make everything look good, even despite the fact that we are without a TV set at the moment. So uh, I started yesterday talking about the shame, the guilt, the fear that came as a result of sin. And of course, this is in Genesis chapter 3, and I was using uh, verses 9 and verse 10 where the Lord called out unto Adam, and asked where he was, and Adam and Eve had hidden themselves because they had broken what God told them to do. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here's what Adam said to him. He says, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And look at this question. This is the very first question that the Lord asked in response to man's sin. He said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? And then he, in a sense, answered his own question by saying, Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? So the very fact that the Lord asked this question shows that he is not the one who gave this knowledge of, of transgression and condemnation and shame and guilt that went along with it. The Lord didn't give that. And of course, there is no mention here that the devil did it. Now, the devil tempted Adam and Eve to transgress against God and eat of the forbidden fruit. But after they ate, it just automatically, within them, they knew themselves that they had transgressed against God and they entered into fear. Now, you've got to remember that prior to this time, in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, there was very little... Um, given about the relationship between God and man. But it says that they met with him in the cool of the evening. We can see that God provided for every need that they had. The Lord told Adam that it wasn't good that he should be alone. So he made him someone to help him, Eve. And everything that God had done for Adam and Eve was just perfect. They lived in a perfect world, a perfect environment, 
There was no sin. There was no corruption. Everything was wonderful. And there is no reason to believe that there had been any need for them to ever experience fear, guilt, shame, any of these kind of things before. But the moment they transgressed against God and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, immediately they began to have shame and guilt come at them. And you know, we in our day, we see people that have done terrible things like murder, and adultery and lying and stealing and on and on. And, you know, we see people that have been put in prison and have done damage to other people. And in a way, it's easy to understand how those people feel guilt and shame over things. But it's not limited to murderers and rapists and people like this. Did you know every one of us, every one of us deal with this to some degree or another? And it could be just a lack of confidence you know, I'm getting way ahead of myself here. I'm trying to do this in an orderly fashion, but I want to make this point. Out of 1 John and in chapter 3, let me just read a couple of scriptures to you here, and I'll be dealing with this in a lot more detail. 1 John 3:19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. You know, the very wording of this is amazing. Most people think that if you were doing everything right and if everything in your life was right, you would just know it, that you would automatically have assurance, that you would have peace and all of these things. But this is saying that you have to assure your hearts before God. And then in verse 20, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. This is saying that there are times that we feel condemned and again, the word condemnation is a word that most of us don't use all of the time, but it just, like for instance, in the United States, we will say that we condemn a building. And what that means is it's no longer fit for use. And this is kind of a layman's definition of what the word condemn means, but that's, that's that feeling of that you aren't fit for use is a function of your conscience. It's a function of this knowledge of right and wrong. It's the shame, the guilt, the lack of confidence that you have. You know, for instance, I've used this ex uh, example a number of times, but I saw my own son raised from the dead. I've seen multiple people raised from the dead. And man, that's awesome. Now, I know that there's people just flipping through the dials and you may think this guy's delusional. God doesn't do those kind of things today. But there are a, many, many people. The people that come to my meetings, we'll have a 1,000 or 2,000 people. Uh, I think about the largest meeting I have is over in England. We have about 3,500 people uh, come to those meetings. And the people that come to my meetings, by and large, are not your run-of-the-mill Christians. These are the fanatics. These are the ones who are turned on to the Lord. They're coming out to hear a hick from Texas talking. And, and I'm not a showman like a lot of people. I'm pretty... Uh, tame and stuff. And so the, they come because, man, they are turned on and committed to God. So the people who come to my meetings are, uh, for the large part, fanatics, or either they were drugged there by a fanatic. They're people who believe in the supernatural power of God. And so at my meetings, I'll mention that I've seen people raised from the dead. And I'll say, how many of you believe that? Boy, people who just raise their hand and shout, yes, we believe that. And I said, if a person was to, you know, come down here and if they died right in front of this audience right now, uh, since I've seen people raised from the dead, God said that these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He told us to go kill the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. 
And since God commanded us to do these things, how many of you believe that if I pray for this person, they're going to be raised from the dead? Did you know we still would have a lot of people that would just be, yes, I'm believing for it. But when I would lose, 99.9% .9 of the people is when I say, all right, if you believe that, you come up here and you pray for this person. And all of a sudden, the people that were just, yes, we believe in the supernatural power of God, when it comes down to them laying hands on the dead person and seeing them raised from the dead, I'd lose the vast majority of people. Now, think about this. Why did that happen? It's not because all of a sudden God changed and He doesn't do miracles anymore. But what happens is people, when it comes down to you believing, most people do not have assurance as it says, these verses that we were reading, they haven't assured their hearts. Their heart is condemning them, and their own conscience lets them know that they, they don't doubt that God can do a miracle. Let me just make this personal to you. There are people watching this program right now that I can guarantee you there are many hurting people. You need a financial miracle. You need a relation miracle with your family or friends. You need a miracle in your body. You need something from God. You believe God can do it. You might even believe that if I pray that God will do it for me, but when it comes down to you receiving, you do not have the confidence and the assurance that it's going to work for you. And you, you think, well, I'm just not like you. You know, when you see a person on television, you think somehow or another that they've got it all together, and I can guarantee you that is not true. That is not true. God does not answer my prayers because I'm on television, because I'm a minister or anything like that. I have to assure my heart. I have to encourage myself in the Lord. And so the point I'm trying to get across is that just that little hesitancy that you have, this lack of confidence that you have, you know why? Because you know you better than you know me. If you knew me as well as you know you, you wouldn't have any more confidence in my prayers than you've gotten your prayers because I'm not perfect, and I don't do everything right. I have to assure my heart. And I'm going to be talking about how you do this, but it's obvious that it, you know, it's through the blood of the Lord Jesus that you cleanse your conscience from dead works so that you can serve the living God. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. And it takes effort. It, you have to know these things. That's why I'm teaching on this. So I'm trying to get across that you don't have to be a rapist, a murderer, a terrible person that has done all of these terrible things wrong. Our conscience lets every single one of us know that we have not done everything right. And our conscience is just constantly, either as it says over in Romans chapter 2, verse 15, either accusing us before God or excusing us. And sad to say, in this negative, fallen world that we live in, our conscience primarily is just constantly taking away this confidence that we should have in the Lord, that we can have, that the Lord has promised to us. Matter of fact, I'm going to be using Abraham as an example, and it said he was fully persuaded. It says that God, in order to make him have confidence, gave him a promise and then swore by himself and gave an oath trying to increase the confidence level that Abraham had. So you don't have to be a person who's out here just doing terrible things. Just a lack of confidence is the function of your conscience condemning you. And if you do that, as it says over in 
1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, it'll make your faith shipwreck if you don't have a good conscience. You know, I have been walking with the Lord uh, for over 50 years. I mean, seeking Him with my whole heart. I've been born again for over 60 years, and I've been seeking the Lord, and I live a relatively good life. But you know what? My conscience still smites me over things. Just recently, I was trying to make a point about, well, anyway, I won't go into the details, but I said some things publicly that I shouldn't have said. I hurt somebody's feeling, and you know, the gospel will be offensive to people, and I've learned how to cope with that, but uh, I don't want to be the one that's offensive. I don't want to be the one who is, uh, you know, upsetting people. If it's the gospel, well, then that's fine, but I just did some things wrong, and anyway, my conscience smote me over that. And I had to take the exact things that I'm ministering to you and deal with myself. And it wasn't even malicious. I didn't do it on purpose. It was just a slip of the lip. Man, when you make your living talking the way that I do and say as much things as I do, eventually you're going to say something wrong. I often tell people if they come to my meetings and if you're looking for something wrong, I've got something for you. <laughs> and I can just nearly guarantee you that I'm going to be saying or doing something wrong. And anyway, when I do this, my conscience deal uh, smites me over things like that. And I had to sit there and minister these exact same things that I'm sharing with you to myself. So my point in making this, uh, saying all of these things, is to try and say that you don't have to be in total rebellion towards God to have an evil conscience, to have your conscience giving you a sense of unworthiness and shame and causing fear it happens to every single one of us. And unless you deal with this conscience, it is going to sit there and take away your confidence from you. I think it's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 that says, Cast not away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. The word recompense means to pay back, to reimburse. When you have confidence, man, there is great reward for that. You can see that even in the secular world, uh, apart from Christian things and spiritual values, but you see people, leaders, who are confident. And I mean, they make mistakes all of the time. I could name names right now. I could name politicians that are in the news right now, and they are abusive, and they're, and they're brash, and they say things that hurt, and they make mistakes all of the time, but that confidence Man, they just don't second-guess themselves. They have a confidence level, and in the natural realm, people gravitate towards that. They want leaders that are confident and know that they are doing the right thing. And in the spiritual realm, as it says there in Hebrews chapter 10, you have great recompense of reward when you have confidence, when your heart doesn't condemn you. And that's what it went on. To. I didn't read the rest of that verse, but in 1 John chapter 3, verse 21, it says, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. And the part of our heart that condemns us is the conscience. And these are the points that I was making yesterday and today. Then when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that is descriptive of the function of the conscience. When they ate of that tree, they gained this intuitive knowledge of right and wrong that we call the conscience. And the conscience immediately made them ashamed. Did you know the scripture says that it says in uh, 
GENESIS CHAPTER 3, VERSE 6, THAT'S WHERE THEY ATE OF THE TREE OF THE KNOWLEDGE OF GOOD AND EVIL. AND IN VERSE 7, IT SAYS, THE EYES OF THEM BOTH WERE OPENED, AND THEY KNEW THEY WERE NAKED, AND THEY SEWED FIG LEAVES TOGETHER AND MADE THEMSELVES APRONS. DID YOU KNOW THAT THEY WERE NAKED BEFORE THEY ATE OF THIS TREE? NOW, I KNOW I'VE GOT SOME VERY GOOD FRIENDS THAT I LOVE THEM, AND MAN, I ESTEEM THEM, AND YET THEY CONSTANTLY ARE SAYING, NO, THEY WERE CLOTHED WITH A ROBE OF RIGHTEOUSNESS. AND I BELIEVE THAT YOU CAN MAKE THOSE POINTS FOR THE PURPOSE OF ALLEGORY, AND YOU CAN BRING SOME uh, COMPARISONS AND THINGS LIKE THIS OUT OF IT. BUT IF YOU TAKE SCRIPTURE AND JUST READ SCRIPTURE, THE LAST VERSE OF GENESIS CHAPTER 2 SAYS, THEY WERE BOTH NAKED, THE MAN AND HIS WIFE, AND WERE NOT ASHAMED. THERE WAS NO SHAME, AND YET THEY WERE BOTH NAKED. THEY WEREN'T CLOTHED. I MEAN, IN A SYMBOLIC SENSE, YOU CAN SAY THEY WERE CLOTHED, BUT ADAM AND EVE WERE BOTH NAKED. <laughs> AMEN? THAT'S WHAT THE SCRIPTURE SAYS. THEY WERE NAKED BEFORE THEY ATE OF THE TREE. The, NOTHING CHANGED. THEY DIDN'T LOSE SOME ROBE, SOME CLOTHES, OR SOMETHING LIKE THAT. THE ONLY THING THAT CHANGED WAS THEIR PERCEPTION. AND WHAT HAPPENED WAS THEIR CONSCIENCE CAME ALIVE, AND IT BEGAN TO CONDEMN THEM AND BRING SHAME ON THEM. PRIOR TO THAT, THEY WERE BOTH NAKED, BUT THERE WAS NO SHAME. NOW WHEN THE CONSCIENCE CAME, THE VERY SAME THING THAT EXISTED BEFORE THE CONSCIENCE uh, NOW BROUGHT SHAME AND CONDEMNATION TO THEM. YOU KNOW, I'M AN EXAMPLE OF HOW YOUR CONSCIENCE CAN BE uh, OVERACTIVE. I WAS RAISED IN RELIGION, AND AS I GO THROUGH THIS SERIES, I'M GOING TO TRY AND MAKE THESE POINTS. BUT THE LAW ACTUALLY STRENGTHENED THE CONSCIENCE. IT STRENGTHENED THE CONDEMNATION, THE GUILT, AND THE SHAME THAT SIN BROUGHT INTO OUR LIVES. NOW, SOMEBODY MIGHT SAY, WELL, WHY WOULD GOD GIVE SOMETHING TO DO THAT? I'LL EXPLAIN THIS LATER, BUT THERE IS A REASON FOR THAT, BECAUSE PEOPLE NEED TO KNOW THAT THEY ARE A SINNER. AND THEY, YOU KNOW, WE TEND TO MAKE THIS MISTAKE. I THINK IT'S IN uh, 1 CORINTHIANS CHAPTER 10, VERSE 12, SOMEWHERE AROUND THERE, IT SAYS, BUT THEY COMPARING THEMSELVES AMONG THEMSELVES AND MEASURING THEMSELVES BY THEMSELVES ARE NOT WISE. AND THIS IS WHAT PEOPLE DO. THEY LESSEN THEIR CONSCIENCE BY SAYING, WELL, EVERYBODY ELSE IS DOING THIS AND EVERYBODY ELSE SEEMS TO BE GETTING BY WITH IT. WE HAVE PEOPLE ON OUR MAGAZINE COVERS TODAY WHO ARE, I MEAN, PERVERTS ACCORDING TO WHAT THE SCRIPTURE SAYS. NOTHING IN THEIR LIFE. THEY AREN'T MARRIED. THEY'RE HAVING CHILDREN OUT OF WEDLOCK. THEY'RE ADVOCATING VALUES THAT ARE COMPLETELY CONTRARY TO THE WORD OF GOD. AND YET, BECAUSE THOSE PEOPLE PROSPER AND THEY'RE RICH AND THEY'RE FAMOUS AND EVERYBODY'S JUST OOHING AND AHHING OVER THEM, PEOPLE THINK, WELL, IT MUST NOT BE SO BAD. Look, they, LOOK WHAT THEY'RE DOING AND LOOK HOW THEY'RE SUCCEEDING. SO TO DEAL WITH THAT, GOD GAVE THE LAW, AND IT BROUGHT THE CONSCIENCE ALIVE, AND IT BROUGHT CONDEMNATION TO PEOPLE, AND THERE IS A BENEFIT TO THAT SO THAT THEY WILL QUIT COMPARING THEMSELVES AMONG THEMSELVES, AND THEY'LL RECOGNIZE THAT WE AREN'T GOING TO BE JUDGED ACCORDING TO WHAT SOMEBODY ELSE DOES. WE'RE GOING TO BE JUDGED ACCORDING TO GOD'S PERFECT STANDARD. BUT ONE OF THE BAD THINGS THAT HAPPENS, YOU KNOW, THIS IS LIKE uh, MY WIFE AND I, WE WATCH VERY LITTLE TELEVISION. I TRY NOT TO WATCH MUCH OF IT BECAUSE THERE'S JUST SO MUCH JUNK ON. BUT THE THINGS THAT I DO WATCH, LIKE YESTERDAY, I WATCHED SOME OF THE OLD DICK VAN DYKE SHOWS, AND THEY WERE FUNNY, AND WE WATCH IT ON NETFLIX SO THAT WE DON'T, YOU KNOW, SEE ALL OF THE COMMERCIALS. BUT WHEN WE HAVE TO WATCH SOMETHING ON JUST A REGULAR TELEVISION NETWORK, WE WATCH ALL OF THESE OLD SHOWS, DICK VAN DYKE, uh, uh, ANDY GRIFFITH, AND THINGS LIKE THIS. AND BECAUSE OF IT, THEY BRING UP ALL OF THE OLD FOLKS 
advertisements. And I mean, they're always advertising sickness and, and some pill to solve this problem and stuff. Jamie and I watched something the other day, uh, a cartoon, an animated feature, and uh, it was for kids. And man, we thought it was so refreshing that during the commercials, they were advertising toys and things like this instead of uh, all of the pills and all of these things. But anyway, my point in this is that when they make these advertisements and say, they take this pill for your headache, then they'll give these disclaimers. Now, it can cause death. It could cause all of these other things. And I think, my God, just give me back my headache. Who wants to take a pill if it's going to cause all of these things? There's these side effects to it. Well, in a sense, that's the way that the law was. The law accomplished a purpose. It brought our conscience back to square, and it made us start realizing that it doesn't matter what the world is saying and what their values are. Here's God's standard, and it brought condemnation, and it brought us a sense of right and wrong. But the side effects to it were this condemnation, the guilt, the shame, and I tell you, those things, they have a purpose, but if you live with that unresolved, without receiving the forgiveness of the Lord, they can literally destroy your life. So the law had a purpose, just like these medicines have a purpose, but the side effects to it were terrible. Today, we have a remedy for our conscience that the Old Testament people didn't have, and that is the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus can cleanse us to the point that you have no more conscience of sin. Now that is quite a claim, but that's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 2. I'm going to be dealing with this in more detail. But Adam and Eve were naked before they sinned, just as naked as they were after they sinned, but the difference was their perception. This conscience began to start bringing condemnation, guilt, and shame, and fear to them. And one of the major points that I'm wanting to get across in this series is, that God is not the one who condemned them. Matter of fact, God made coats uh, out of animal skins and covered their nakedness. God provided for them. God still loved man. God sent His own Son to be our Redeemer. God is not the one that condemns us, and especially in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8 says, Who is he that will condemn you? That's basically the same question that God asked Adam here in Genesis chapter 3. Who told you that you were naked? Romans chapter 8, who is he that will condemn you? It's not Christ. He's the one who died for you, who rose again and is at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for you. And of course, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. I'm going to blame him for everything I can, but it's not only the devil that is condemning you. Your own conscience is condemning you. It's not just coming from the outside it's inside. It's this fallen, corrupted human nature that every one of us had, and it ministers condemnation, and there is an antidote for that in the Word of God. That's what I'm teaching on. This is a study in the conscience, how it functions, how to purge it, how to get your conscience to where it works for you instead of against you. And I tell you, I think that this is going to have great benefit in your life. Again, let me advertise that. I've got a brand new book, Who Told You That You Were Naked? It's a brand new teaching. I encourage you to get it. It would be a blessing to you. So listen to our announcer. Please call or write today to receive the product. And then join me again tomorrow as we continue our Gospel Truth broadcast. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Gospel Truth. 
Andrew would like to extend a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible for us to broadcast this message consistently all around the world. Because of your contributions, we've been able to put free ministry materials into the hands of millions in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. Let me mention once again that I've got a brand new book entitled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? This is actually a study on the conscience. It wasn't God that told Adam he was naked. It wasn't the devil. It was his conscience, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I not only have the book, but I have CDs, and I also have DVDs that were taken from our television program. And I tell you, this teaching would really, really help you to have a confidence and an assurance and a boldness with God. So listen to our announcer as he gives you information how you can receive this product. Andrew's teaching titled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? is available in a four-part CD album or in a DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. You can also get this teaching in book form. The teaching highlighted in today's series is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at awmi.net. Our lives were turned right side up when we came to an Andrew Womack event back in 2006. Our daughter Hannah was just given two weeks to live, but at that conference she was prayed for and praise God she was miraculously healed and she's 100% well to this day. Since Hannah was healed, we found that there have been many people that have been healed at Andrew's events. It's not a question of will he heal you, he's already healed you. I mean, Andrew just gives it to you like it is. And every time I leave one of these conferences, I am changed for the better. Every single time there is a revelation that he shares with us that God has given him that I make sure I make it my own. When you attend a Gospel Truth Conference, you're going to be inspired by powerful praise and worship with Charlie and Jill LeBlanc and Andrew teaching the life-changing Word of God. There are prayer ministers there as well. Join Andrew and special guests at a Gospel Truth Conference near you. Go to awmi.net slash conferences for more information. I was arrested for first-degree murder, two attempted first-degree murders in 1993. They ran my time concurrent, which means put the time together. So I did seven years and three months in prison. While I was in prison, I had a brother in the Lord introduce me to Andrew Warmick to one of his cassette tapes. So I got excited about that and started studying and it brought a lot of balance to the things I heard. And I was just so excited that I could get these tapes for free. This is my treasure from other partners uh, from when I first got introduced to Andrew Warmick and then uh, all the video of the months I was getting once I got out of prison, I just continued to uh, get them. And this time I wasn't getting them for free. I was paying for them because I had a job. I was out of prison, thank God. As soon as I got out, I started doing prison ministry, going back into the prisons. I just want to thank really everyone that gave to the ministry, all the partners, which now I am a partner, to get the teachings to me to bring balance in my life. I started my own business. I went from five people to 60 people. Uh, I realized 
I can't run a business by myself. I need people I could count on. Same thing with the ministry. Andrew Woman doesn't do it by himself. He needs the people that are involved, the partners that are involved, to be able to do what he does at such large scale. Partners, I want to say thank you for helping me to reach out and touch Gerardo. He could not have gotten these tapes if it hadn't been for our partners. If you aren't a partner, I'd like to encourage you to become one today.